0: It's time to Accelerate. Hey, friends. This is Andy. Welcome to Episode 702 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Again, that's Episode 702 of Accelerate. Now, it's just two weeks before the end of Q1. The question is, really, are you on target? Are you getting the year off to a strong start? Well, if you need a little bit of help, hang on for just a second. I'll share with you a resource that maybe will help you finish the quarter strong. But first, we're going to talk about today's conversation. I have an excellent episode lined up this week. Join me as my guest is Doug Holt. And uh, Doug's perhaps a slightly different guest than what we normally have on the show. Uh, He's not a big-time sales author, blogger, CEO of a company, big companies. He's a loyal listener to Accelerate who has a very interesting story. And he reached out to me and and I said, yeah, it'd be great to have Doug come on the show and, and share... His story, because he's a coach, he's a mentor, growth hacker. Uh, he, he likes to say lifestyle engineer, meaning he he runs multiple companies as an entrepreneur, as a digital nomad. And so we're going to dig into this whole idea of the digital or the lifestyle engineer. Excuse me, um, because it's sort of a fascinating topic. we all sort our of struggles. How do we achieve the work life balance that we want, or may work life integration, as some say? You know, how do we structure how we live to do fulfilling, meaningful work? Achieve our goals and financially and career-wise, as well as lead the lifestyle we want. Some degree, it sort of sounds a little idyllic. If you can achieve that, but as Doug will explain, you have to be willing to take some risks to make this happen and to achieve this this goal. And which is sort of true of our careers in general, right? It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or a salesperson working for a company. There is no one prescribed path that works for everyone. Doesn't matter what the experts say doesn't matter how you're trained in a process or a methodology in sales. You you have to find your own path to success, right? And finding that path is really the key to fulfillment and success in your career. And we're going to start digging into that a little bit today in my conversation with Doug. Now, before we get to that, just a few words about the sales house. As many of you know, this is the sales growth engine I created for B2B sellers, where it helps enables you to grow two ways. One is grow in your personal development, help you achieve your career goals, move from where you are today to where you want to be in your career, as well as increase your sales. Now, obviously, hard to get one without the other. Now, one of the key resources we offer is multiple weekly live sales growth coaching calls. So, if you've got a sales challenge, let's say you're getting near the end of the quarter, having trouble sort of figuring out how you get this deal across the finish line, come to one of these calls. I'll help you with that. As so to will other members of the sales house community. I mean, many heads are better than one in instances like this to give more perspective. Anyway, great resource for sellers. And in general, enabling sellers to grow. That's what The Sales House is all about. We grow by providing the knowledge, the skills, the confidence, and the acumen to become the very best version of you. That's what's happening. So, come visit us at thesaleshouse.com. That is thesaleshouse.com or thesaleshouse.com forward slash join. All right, let's jump into it with my guest today, Doug Holt. Doug, welcome to the show. Oh, Andy, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Yeah, We've been in touch for a while. We finally managed to corral this. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> yeah, I think we, largely due to scheduling issues on my side, uh, we've had to reschedule a few times. But um, So, I'm fascinated because you're not the first person I've had on the show who, who sort of has lived this digital nomad lifestyle. I had someone else on, actually, pretty early, I Couple of years ago, I'd say, um, he was actually calling me from <laughs> like an RV park in Mexico somewhere, uh, where he was with his family, and you know, this is just what they did, and you know, their primary determinant of deciding where they were going to be spending a month or more was, you know, how good was the Wi-Fi connection?
1: Yeah, I can relate to that all too well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he, yeah, he was running his business from there. He wasn't, yeah, wasn't. Just traveling, he was. He had a a small marketing agency that uh, served clients across the country. And so, tell us a little bit about your businesses and and how you manage on the road. Yeah, so um, ours
1: is a little bit different, and it's part, I guess, background of my story. Uh, I kind of started the quest for this. Nomadic lifestyle, so to speak, at least the ability to be nomadic back in 2007 mm-hmm. when it wasn't really a big thing to do. Uh, of course, my lifestyle was a little different as we were talking about. I have a child now. And so, right. uh, but we still do it. Yeah, my wife and I also plan our feet. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, even as a kid. And I run six businesses now. Um, I have Six, partners. So what do they do? <laughs> Good question. So back to that. Uh, <laughs> one is a full time coaching uh, business where we coach business owners, mm-hmm. uh, spe- specifically, uh, two marketing firms. Uh, one I have a partner with. One I it's a full stack digital marketing agency. The other one I have a partner with that we go after a specific vertical, and we also do co in and look at the business and operations of the companies, mm-hmm. and go in there and help them really not scale, but get get a hold of their business, and sure. so they have a little more control. Then we run. uh, I run a trade journal, which is actually a business that actually has masterminds out of the back end of that. Uh, That's specifically for the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I do my own coaching, uh, where I actually mentor business owners, and it's not just on business; it's more on the holistic lifestyle. Uh, Basically, the lifestyle that
0: I've developed uh, going through there. Uh, And then we have people want to people want to emulate you with the sort of the nomadic lifestyle, or. Um, it's more
1: business owners. You'll see a trend with the business owners for sure. all my businesses. Uh, cause that's just what I am. It's how, do, you know, how do you shortcut that idea of growing businesses while maintaining relationships and then also maintaining your health mm-hmm. uh, and the other areas of your life, which a lot of people in my experience, and I certainly did this is I had a lot of success in business, but then when I picked my head up, no one was around. And relationships that kind of fall into the wayside. Uh, my health was was dropping. You know, it started to be. Well, you're in the fitness business, though, right? I was in the fitness business. Absolutely.
0: So you, found, you you found it hard to maintain your fitness while running a fitness business? Well, at the time, I
1: was running three companies okay. um, and doing consulting. So I ran a magazine back then when I was starting out, and when this turning turn point was. And I was running the marketing agency, and I was doing a lot of consulting. So to say I was working a lot is an understatement. Right, and you know that's kind of the dogma that's pushed out there right now is hustle. The, the if you work hard, work really hard. Well, I thought, okay, well, I can work harder. So <laughs> I uh, can that's have more than look, one side hustle. I can have multiple side hustles. Absolutely, and I think there, Andy, there's a difference between health and fitness, and they can go side by side. Sure. I was fit, and I could probably outlift a lot of people, outrun a lot of people. I looked aesthetically fit, very fit but my, I don't think I was inside very healthy, Mm -hmm. not healthy as I could be. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of that was in pursuit of success. Sure. And my, my fitness business at the time was built around training some of the most successful people in the world. I was in Santa Barbara, California. And, you know, just next to Santa Barbara, I was there for almost 20 years. You know, you got Oprah, Ellen DeGeneres. So we had movie stars, we had, you know, billionaires and millionaires. We all said that you're average person, but we were a boutique training studio. So my clientele were or top notch, and uh, you know, you go visit their multi-million-dollar house, and they're friends of mine, you know, you, you set the bar pretty high to want to strive for that, and I did it
0: in my early twenties. Interesting. So let's talk about some of the lessons you learned then, from because I think this is something that that everybody struggles with is balance, right? I mean, we talk about balance and. And I mean, there's some talk that way. Well, it's really not an issue of balance. How do you integrate? Which in itself is a form of of balance. So we can go through that. But, but what were some of the the key lessons you learned? Because certainly, you know, large segment of our audience here is people in the earlier stages of their career, and they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and aren't we all trying to figure it out? <laughs> well, I still. Am. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Forty years later, I'm still still trying to figure it out. Yes. That's one of the lessons I learned um, as well. Uh,
1: so I put myself in an interesting position, as I said, in my early 20s. I started what then was a new concept. It's boutique private training. Mm-hmm. I had all the degrees and certifications in fitness. Um, and I did it on purpose. And I, t- and I went after very successful marketplace. So very successful business people was my target. I figured, right. hey, those people can afford my services and I could learn a lot from them. Um, and one of the things that I learned right away, and I'll come back to the reason I'm sharing this, was that to be successful in business seemed to mean to me it had a very good correlation. Very few people had any balance in their relationships. They're going through their multiple marriages, divorces. They mm. didn't know their kids. I definitely was their best friend by far.
0: That um, was <laughs> That's kind of sad person. when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, I mean, know, I'm, hairdresser, yeah. fitness trainer, sort of. Yeah, I was. I saw
1: them a couple times a week. I listened to them. You know, I knew more. We used to always say, and I say we, the whole staff that I had, we would know more about our clients and their spouses would know about them at Mm -hmm. that present time in their life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. was no doubt about it. Um, And through that, I learned a lot of lessons and I learned pretty quickly that you need to have balance and you need to follow your dreams. And so uh, I bring that up and I'll tell you the lessons because I was countered by all my mentors telling me that 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 wasn't possible legitimately was said, Doug, you, you can have one or the other. You can be successful in business or you can have this lifestyle you're talking about. You can't have both choose your, choose your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe I bought into it because these people, you know, were extremely successful and you probably know some of the names of the people I'd mentioned. However, it didn't sit well with me. And so that was lesson number one was it's, it's just follow your heart and follow your gut. And as a guy in his twenties, I was like, okay, these people are in their sixties. Um, you know, multimillionaires, they're very successful. They know what to do. And one of the things that resonated with me, though, within that conversation with them was their relationships weren't so good. Their health wasn't good. That was one of the reasons I was able to get so close to them, is because they needed help. Well, and they weren't happy, probably either. They were not happy. They were happy when they were telling me what to do. They were happy in business. That's where they got their significance, right? I totally get it. I'm sure you can as well in a lot of ways, but they were not happy. Um, you know, there were a few that were happy. And the things that I noticed about them and and kind of watching them, and it was almost like getting a degree um in psychology or and just studying people, Mm -hmm. spending that much time. You're you're basically people will tell you anything for you not to torture them, is what it came down came (laughs) down to. (laughs) They will spill the beans. Um, and the people who were successful. Had really taken a more balanced approach at saying, hey, look, I knew early on through mentors, Doug, that I had to prioritize fitness. I had to prioritize my relationship or I was going towards divorce. Right. Mm-hmm. And people would share very, very common things with me. Like, you know, either they had cheated or their their spouse had cheated because they'd grown so far apart. So I really started to study why these things were happening. I took it on like I've taken on any endeavor in my life. I I am one of those guys that dives nose, you know, first to whatever subject I want to study and 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 read as much as possible and study. And so, you know, the first lesson I found again was, you know, realizing that just because someone says it has to be this way, it isn't true. If you can really trust in your gut and following your heart is really the best way. And if I would have just listened to everybody, I would still, I'd probably have franchised that gym. That was my plan. And I already had, I was always working in the second location Mm -hmm, magazine and everything else. And I would not have been happy. Right, I would have been right there next to him. Yeah. Um, And I, 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 yeah,
0: I agree with you. I don't think it's a trade-off. I mean, I think that, that I have enough examples in my life of people that have succeeded and still managed to be happy and, and for the most part, be successful in relationships. I mean, relationships, and for reasons that don't necessarily have to do with the work, um, but yeah, very few that that have defaulted to the the excuse. Well, you know, hey, the work, the work made me do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: and it's just
1: it's just the unfulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. If People are unfulfilled; they turn to something that they can control and have fulfillment in, and that tends to be business for business owners.
0: Right? Yeah. Well, my experience has been in my my life in my career is that. That um, when I wasn't happy, then my work suffered. I mean, there was a direct correlation, I mean, from, for at least for me, right, where the external events that were causing some sort of disruption in my personal life. And unfortunately, I, I went through a divorce, it had nothing to do with work. It was just one of those things that happened, but, um, you yeah, know, caused a lot of pain and anxiety on, on you know, multiple fronts for, for me and my ex wife. But, you yeah, know, during that time, yeah, my work suffered. Um and I think it was probably because there was some balance, right? I mean, it's not like everything was perfectly in harmony, obviously, but but um yeah, I think if if you're not in balance, I was sort of when I was thinking of some of the stuff you've written about and listening to you talk, is then you can sort of compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. And for me, the people are more whole. They can't compartmentalize, excuse me, the same way uh because everything's more integrated. Yeah, and to me that seems like a more ideal place to be is is you don't want to be so walled off that you know your emotions don't affect your work and vice versa. Yeah,
1: a- absolutely. And, and I wasn't trying to say that people that go through a relationship issue has to do with their work per se. No, no, I know you um, weren't.
0: I was just saying yeah. but I mean obviously we see it and and we read about it all the time.
1: Yeah. Um I I think it's crazy to think of the idea, right? And so I was in, 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 you know, one of my agencies, I would go to big businesses, sometimes fortune 200 companies and talk to them about, you know, marketing and trying to pitch and sell. And it was always int- at a very early age. And it was always interesting to me how people would dress up in suits. And as soon as happy hour came around, first thing comes out is the coat, the tie. And all of a sudden, Frank was a different Frank. Mm. It was almost, they peel the mask off and they're like, Oh, finally I can be me. Um, and it was it? And again, I started off, you know, in the internet field, you know, back in 2000. So I was able to to meet a lot of these people who were very successful in that field at a young age. And in the internet, right, no one knew how young I was until sure. you meet them. And early on, I figured out that the more authentic I could be, the more me I could be, allowed somebody else to also be themselves and breathe in that breath of fresh air. And I, I saw this juxtaposition, basically, of the front that people and myself included, I did it for a long time, would put on in the business world and then change when I'd be out with my friends or change when I was with my family. Right. And that chameleon like structure. And I realized how much energy that took away from me. And I thought that was really interesting that I find that a lot of people, you know, have imposter syndrome, have sure. this idea that, Hey, uh, I have to be somebody else when I'm on a show. You know, when I'm being interviewed mm-hmm. by somebody as reputable as yourself, or you know, I'm doing something <laughs> or as dis- else, disreputable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but it's it's true, right? And and the more we, we get a chance to be ourselves, the more we allow other people to be themselves as well. And I think that's part of the balance. When we're whole. We're not putting on a front and put and segmenting these. Or carpent can't say it, it? but it's catching, right? (laughs) It is. So segmenting different parts of our lives and saying, "Okay, that's work. I can leave that there. This is my home life. This is my friend life." Um, I just never, I personally haven't seen people do that really well, unless they let it all bleed into. This is just me.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that especially in in sales I mean this is I think to some degree people are trained when they come up in the profession that that they are really playing a role and and it's yeah it's one of the things that I, I work with excuse me a lot of sellers on I work on within the the sales house community is this idea that you brought up is is you have to be authentic when you're dealing with people because this is a people business after all there's very few businesses that aren't people business but sales in particular. That's your job, working with other people, serving other people, and you know, people are, have really good BS filters. I mean, it's it customers, buyers, whoever you're dealing with. They're going to see pretty quickly that uh, there's a bit of a facade there that you're not really. What they're seeing really doesn't align with who the real person is, and yeah, you know, they have choices to make, and it's easy enough to make the choice to say, yeah, I just don't feel comfortable with that person. Um, yeah, I'm not going to deal with them.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, when we talk about, you know, we always think of when I think of sales and I'm not an expert by any means, I think of no like trust, mm-hmm. right. You get to know somebody, you know, it's kind of, you you and I started connecting, um, you know, get to like them, you know, what are the commonalities, what are the differences? And then do you trust them? And I think especially the, the like and trust, but definitely the trust is Do you, you have that gut feeling. Is it, you know, are that, is that person authentic? Or are they trying to use the latest NLP technique to, you know, to, <laughs> to,
0: to push me Don't through? Me <laughs> on that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To push me through to a sale.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, absolutely. I think that's that's really true. Um, and you think about you know one of the real cornerstones of trust is transparency. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, if you're trying to play a role, you think about that. And and, and to some degree, for salespeople, if you're listening to this, you're thinking, well. Only way that I can make myself feel comfortable dealing with the customer is to sort of put on a little bit of a, a show. I think some of that's natural. I think that's okay. Um, but you know, the real you has to come through. I mean, in, in sales, you could be a real introvert and you might have to force yourself to go out and make calls. Yeah. You might doing something you might not normally be comfortable with, that's fine. I mean, that can still be in alignment with who you are. But if you're Ninety degrees different, or 180 degrees different, uh, while you're out selling to someone than you are with your friends, that's going to catch up to you. That's going to be a problem. Oh yeah, uh,
1: I think so. It was, it, it, before we got on recording this, I had a conversation with a mastermind group I run, and you know, usually there's a system with it, and somebody jumps on, they give you their biggest problem. Well, the this business owner got on and said, "Well, I don't have one, so I'm going to flip this around," and he said, "I want to know what your." where are you better at than anybody else in the world? And I don't know if you know, Andy, uh, you know, I didn't know. When he asked the question, I said, well, there's nothing. Honestly, I don't think anybody, I'm better than anything except for being me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, nobody can beat, nobody in the world can beat me at being me. You just can't. And that's my unique advantage over the marketplace or doing sales. Um, not everybody's going to click with me mm-hmm. if I can deliver value to somebody and do it authentically, where I think I can, they can smell that a mile away. Um, and then you just whether they actually see the value in what I'm what I'm selling or what I'm bringing. But other than that, that's that's my best thing I got going for me. So why would I not do that?
0: Yeah, that's, I like that perspective. I like that. I mean, sort of your unique superpower is your ability to be yourself. Yeah, I stole it from
1: Dr. Seuss,
0: right? <laughs> oh yeah, which, which book? Uh, Oh, I don't. There's a quote
1: from Dr. Seuss, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, um, "It's never truer than true that nobody can be youer than you." Or something along those lines. Um, wow! So,
0: All right, I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes. So,
1: <laughs> wisdom of Dr. Seuss. Uh, there's a ton in those books. You know, as, as I start reading the ones to my son, um, I'm just I'm pull out my journal and start writing. <laughs> but
0: uh, <laughs> well, no, I think that that's a good one because I worth spending a few minutes on, because I think that's, this is really a lesson that I was talking to someone earlier today on another podcast I was being interviewed for. And this was really the topic, is that so often today in, in sales, and it's true in business to some degree as well, but certainly in sales, is that we become so fixated with having access to all the data that drives, gives us metrics that we then use to drive certain behaviors, is that we stop Really emphasizing the human aspect, the individual aspect, uh, making people, enabling people to become the best version of themselves, and yeah, you know, when you lose that, you lose a lot. I think you know, and certainly you lose productivity from people, you lose engagement with people in their jobs, and yeah, I think that that's why I'm, I like this yeah, that's the idea, this unique superpower you have, is is to be yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing I can do. It's the only thing I'm better at. So (laughs) there's a, you think about, you know, those questions and I, I imagine that this individual is looking for an answer like, well, I'm better at, you know, systems or I'm better at, you know, management processes Mm. or something along those lines. Um, But the truth is I'm not. And, you know, I think I'm great at a lot of things and I'm really bad at even more. But again, uh, being authentic is, and, and being authentic, I gotta be, I gotta be authentic and transparent was, it was, wasn't, did not come easy to me, Andy. It did not come easy for me to, to be as transparent as I am today. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was raised, my dad was a, a executive in Eastman Kodak mm-hmm. and I, I drove around listening to fast track, which is today's version of audible business tapes mm-hmm. in the car right. and reading business books as a kid. I just, that's what I did. Right. I, I, I thought every kid did. But I Um, had a very,
0: I didn't, but yeah,
1: (laughs) very much a business persona uh, as I was doing things as a young entrepreneur. And I was also taught that, hey, there's certain things that you show people and there's certain things that are kept behind closed doors. You know, you just don't talk about your personal life and business. And it took me a while to kind of, as I was watching and observing, as I was talking about earlier, these other people, their successes and not. To open myself up to write things about my life and things that you've talked about and that you've read, um, and to share so openly, it wasn't like a, I was you know one day I woke up and said you know what I'm just going to share my whole life, good, bad, ugly, mm-hmm. with the world in the hope that it inspires somebody and helps them. Um, it was a process for me.
0: Yeah, well, I I think we have this this issue, and I don't know if it's. Changed if it's different than now today than it was when I got started in my career, but certainly, yeah, to the point you made when I started my career, yeah we th- we thought you know, much like those days, we tend to put three piece suits on and so and go to work, is that, yeah, you put on this facade, this this personality type because you thought that's what it was required. Because uh, I, I think for most people, especially when you're newer in your career, you can't really conceive what it is that people want from you um, in business because it's such an alien thing. But uh, I think it comes, for most people who manage to succeed with this, It's, it's it comes through experience. But I think, yeah, a good piece of advice for for people listening is, and again, this is hard to the point I just made, it's because there's such emphasis on process these days. Is is you have to be willing to take a risk. You know, if, if you're younger in your career, and I mentor people on this, is you you have to be able to take a risk to step outside the process, to uh, be a nonconformist, to break some rules. Even if you work in a large corporate environment, is you have to find a way to be yourself. Because that is your unique superpower. And that's what it was for me. I mean, I I worked in a large company in my first job, they certainly had processes, but by the same token, I worked for managers that, you know, gave me some leash, right? gave me some rope to, to go hang myself if need be, but to to learn how to do things in a way that that aligned with how I felt comfortable doing them. Because I certainly wasn't wasn't a prototypical candidate to be successful in sales when I first got out of school, at least by the the measures they used in those days. But yeah, I was given that freedom, and that really helped. Um and so if you're not working in an environment where you get that freedom, is you need to take a risk. I, I couldn't agree more.
1: I mean, as, as an owner who hires people, I'm looking for entrepreneurs, right? People who are almost like entrepreneurs within my business mm-hmm. and are going to do that. And one of your guests, and I, I can't remember their name, but you guys had a great conversation. And the part that I'm thinking of now was uh, they tracked valedictorians, right? Yeah, and,
0: Eric Barker. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, It was a great, great episode. So if anybody's listening to this, go back. Great
0: book to read, by the way, Barking Up the Wrong Tree. But yes, go ahead.
1: Yeah. And so to his point is they're very good rule followers. And, you know, what I heard in that is when I hear rule followers, I almost think of drones, right? Almost Mm -hmm. like robotic. that will just do what they want to do. And that's great for a time and place. But that's also easy for me as a business owner to replace um, but it's yeah. very hard for me to replace the maverick, the person who is going to break the rules, who takes the risk, um, and has a little bit more personality there because they're the one that's also going to either expose weaknesses within our business that we need to plug before mm-hmm. somebody else does in the marketplace or also you know, is going to open us up to new avenues. And especially when it comes to someone doing outreach or sales, that is huge.
0: Well, um, you made a great point, though, which I think for really people should take to heart, which is yeah, to the extent you're you're this corporate drone, you know, just a, a clone of someone else, then you are you're an interchangeable part. And yeah. for some employers, that's exactly what they want. You know, I just want interchangeable parts because I have such faith in my process. And I, I'll tell you, from a sales perspective, companies are have these follow these really rigid sales processes. They're not sustainable. So for you looking out for your career. Yeah, your best interest is to find out what you can do best, and if that means breaking some rules, break the rules. It may mean you end up leaving that company. That's fine, but yeah, you need to you need to be responsible for yourself and your own development. Unfortunately, more than, than it should be the case. But yeah, to Eric Barker's point, you know, following the kept valedictorians is they were good at following rules, but not quite as good in situations where there's a lot of ambiguity. Yeah.
1: And, and you think about it for, you know, I know you said, you know, people listening to this or coming up in their careers, the most business owners are rule breakers, right? So you may not fit into that little square box, but if you're breaking the rules, in my opinion, the right ways and doing it with integrity, right? So you're doing it to better the company and add value. They're going to take notice of that, um, mm-hmm. in my experience and, and most often reward it. But at the end of the day, I'd rather, I'd rather be me. Somewhere else <laughs> that I'm accepted and allowed to be myself, rather than have to spend the majority of my waking hours in a job that doesn't isn't fulfilling to me in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. And I think when you look at making career choices, I mean, from my my own standpoint, and I wrote about this recently, is you know, I I always looked. People said, "Well, you know, what criteria you use to choose a new job?" Or they'll ask me, "Hey, I'm looking at my next gig. What should I?" what should I look for? And and I'll pass advice along you know, in the context of my own career is, you know, I tended to want to look for situations that scared me, right? Mm-hmm. Where I knew that it wasn't a slam dunk that I I may have professed that I knew exactly what I was doing, but, but <laughs> where I knew that wow, this is really going to challenge me in a way that I hadn't been challenged before. I was going to be challenged to learn something new about a product, technology, myself, customers, a new way of selling, selling to a new set of customers. Um, yeah, and that's that to me, that was that was really the incentive, right? More than necessarily just the pure money I was gonna make out of it. It was, yeah, what was I gonna do that really going to take me to the next level, whatever that level was that I wanted, whether it was I said sell bigger accounts, create, you know, make myself ready for promotion to a bigger job, whatever that was.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's so true what you said because you think about it, whether it be in the gym, in your professional life, in relationships, um, growth happens outside of our comfort zones, right? It's, we get, have to get uncomfortable to mm-hmm. grow. And, and that's where the sweet spots are. And, you know, I, I, I chunk my, my, my game or my life into 90-day segments, and I'm always – I pick five areas, and I'm trying to get uncomfortable in each of those five areas – to not only balance myself, but to keep growing in each of those five areas so I don't feel like I'm being stagnant, right? Because stagnant water, stagnant anything is just if you're not growing, you're dying. right? And it's proved to work really well for me.
0: All right. Well, quickly, we just have a few minutes left. So what, what are the five areas that you segment in? Sure. Mind, body, soul, relationships, and business. Okay. Mind, body, soul, relationships, and business. Okay.
1: Yep. And I have three more that I'll use as well, which is fun, wealth, and growth. But those are the five, I call them five to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it rhymes. No other reason. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but, but I find for myself, you know, <clears throat> in the area of mind, it might be, you know, listening to, studying a, s- a specific subject, you know, wh- whatever it may be, it could be sales. And, you know, then I'll, I'll list it out and I'll set it up into 90 day segments. What's a huge, you kind of a hag, but, you know, mm-hmm. 90 days that really right. pushes myself in all those areas. And um, then I gamify it. So I give myself points. So at the end of the just like a, a football game or anything else mm-hmm. at the end of the day, week, month and quarter, I know if I'm winning or losing all the time. Like and it. So, yeah. It, I, it, it's worked so well for me. It's what I coach and mm-hmm. it, it's worked for my clients, but you know, it, it pushes you to a, another level and then you, it, you really simplify things and, and make it into a process and a
0: game. Yeah. What I, the, for me, the, the real bottom line on that is that, A, you're setting goals, you're tracking your activity or your accomplishments against the goals and continually evaluating yourself. And yeah, I think if, if you're not doing that, then you're sort of improvising as you go along. And, and yeah, for some people that may work, but for most people being much more you know, focused, concerted uh, in terms of what you're doing, deliberate, uh, really pays off. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. All right, well, Doug, well, thank you very much. We're unfortunately running out of time, but uh, tell folks how they can get in touch with you.
1: I'm really easy to find online, but probably the easiest place is my website, which
0: is dougholtonline.com, And I'm also very active on LinkedIn, as you know. As you are. Yeah, you've been been very uh, consistent in what you've been publishing. That's good. And some good stuff there for people to to read. And we had talked about this. <laughs> some good titles, uh, some fun articles, including one about uh, uh, sort of shared experiences as, as podcasters and trying to get people onto the show, uh, which I urge people to lead. And, and also the one you, not too about a week ago, about don't look behind the curtains. Yep. <laughs> um, and that's so sort of relevant to what we were talking about here today, too. So. I urge people to go check that out. All right, Doug, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, Doug Holt. Join me again next week. My guest will be my new friend, Scott Ingram. Scott's a practicing sales leader and host of a very interesting podcast called Sales Success Stories, where he interviews real sales professionals about their day-to-day experiences. And Scott and I are going to tackle the subject of, again, personal and professional development, kind of a theme perhaps you recognize, but it can't be stressed enough because you have to take responsibility for your own development. And we're going to talk about how to become in charge, steps you have to take to become in charge of your own learning, your own education, your own professional development. So be sure to join us then. Now, before you go, don't forget to check out The Sales House. Again, the all-in-one sales growth engine for B2B sellers at thesaleshouse.com. And thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.